The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Okay, well, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Going to be a little different show tonight. Uh, we're going to do uh, two duets. What do I mean by that? Well, we're going to have two interviews with four people on them. Uh, the first uh, will be people that you are very familiar with. Uh, we're going to be talking to Hall of Famer Julie Crone and her outstanding writing husband, Jay Hovday. Uh, there's just been a, a, a new book penned. I uh, don't know how well it is uh, getting out there. I think it's hot off the presses. And uh, it's called One Sweet Ride. And uh, it's going to be about Julie's, uh, even though she won thousands of races, uh, how special her Delmar victory was. Uh, actually, it I guess you could call it a classic, but uh, it was the Pacific Classic, as a matter of fact, not the Breeders' Cup Classic. So uh, we'll be talking with Julie, and then she's going to pass the phone over to her multiple award-winning writer husband, Jay Hovday. So that will be different. And then in the second part, we have another author and a family member. It is Patrick Lawrence Gilligan, and his son, Jack. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Around Kentucky with the Bug. I love that book. It's really easy read and entertaining. And uh, now Patrick Lawrence Gilligan is working on a second book about his first year uh, with the training side of the story. Uh, and, of course, I'm sure there will be many references to Jack and his uh, graded stake successes that he's had over the past year. So uh, it's, it's going to be uh, the Gilligans, uh, and then it's going to be the Crone slash Hovday duets. So that's how things are going to shake out on the show today. And don't forget, uh, we do have uh, racing this weekend, though no Breeders' Cup preps they are all over but uh on saturday keep an eye on remington park this is one of those great end of the year state uh races where you got the lassie the juvenile the turf the sprint the distaff and the classics cup all at remington park they're all called the oklahoma classics so you'll be comparing horses that are racing against each other uh throughout the year or years in some cases uh, i always like that i'm big proponent of the state bread programs if you've ever listened to this show you know that and uh <clears throat> but if you're not too familiar with those horses from remington i've got a remedy for you come on over and join us for our easy win forms here's some results from just the past week of course we go everywhere i'm gonna give you four tracks turf paradise on the lucky 13th a one dollar super box brought you back 3,239. Then let's go down to Delta Downs, 2,516 with a $1 super key. And then Gulfstream, they have the super high five. Nailed that on the 14th, $2,131. And out at Santa Anita, a $1 pick four, returning $1,988. So the easy win forms, come on over to Winning Ponies. They're easy to navigate. 
and easy to cash a ticket with. All right. Well, uh, told you about our guests and some of the hits we had. Don't forget, you can go over and check a lot of our hits. And now on to some uh, late breaking news of the week. I loved when I read this. Superstar Mayor Enable, who we all thought ran her swan song in the Arc de Triomphe, it's announced that she will race as a six-year-old in 2020. Uh, that just came out uh, two days ago. Of course, trained by John Godson for Khalid Abdullah's Judmont Farm. Uh, she won the 2018 Breeders' Cup Turf Um as well as so many other top races, the Investec Oaks, the Darley Irish Oaks. And we all thought that we, yeah, at first they're saying, well, let's give her one more race and bring her over to the Breeders' Cup. I've got a feeling that this announcement that she's coming back as a six-year-old will probably take her out of Breeders' Cup contention. I haven't read anything one way or the other, um, but they say that she came out of the pre de de Triomphe in good form, but she will not race again this year. So uh, the goal for next year will be to win the third Arc de Triomphe. Uh, she is just amazing. If you watched her, she's a consistent mare with a rock-solid temperament, huge engine. And uh, when Frankie Dettori presses the button, she kicks into a whole nother gear. So uh, she will bid to become the first horse ever to win three Arcs. And uh, I'm so glad that Enable is still going to be running in the season to come. <clears throat> okay, we're starting to learn more and more about which, how the Breeders' Cup races are shaping up. And we, we're waiting for this one. It looks like Omaha Beach will run in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. We were all wondering, but uh, man, what a race this is going to be uh, with the likes of Catalina Cruiser, Matoli, Colefront, Mr. Money, Improbable, all set for the dirt mile. Heck, this could be one of the bigger races on the card. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that is uh, you know, promoted uh, in, in the days ahead with the Breeders' Cup. But boy, uh, what a race. You call, of course that Omaha Beach was the pre-race favorite for uh, the Breeders' Cup, and then it just seemed to be like one thing after another happened. And uh, every time he was set to come back, something would happen. <coughs> and uh, so we will find out on Breeders' Cup Day, the mile, is it a prep for the Pegasus? Who knows? All right, well, this was some interesting news. Kentucky Derby winner Animal Kingdom has been sold to Japan. Now, you know, Animal Kingdom, he's been uh, well-traveled. Uh, he, he was one of those horses that went to Arrow, Arrowfield Stud uh, down in Australia. And uh, so he actually started his stud career in Australia. But it looks right, like right now he's been sold to Japan, uh, according to Winchester Farm owner Naota Yoshida, and confirmed by Darley. And so uh, we're going to lose uh, a Kentucky Derby winner, Animal Kingdom. But, you know, he did have uh, some good, you know, stakes winners here. He had at least uh, eight black type winners. 
course, the, the top one being multiple grade winner, Regal Glory, uh, who won this year's editions of the Lake Placid and the Lake George Stakes. So his progeny have won over $12.12 million, but most of his babies now are going to be born in Japan. You may recall that he retired with a five wins and five seconds from 12 starts, earnings of $8.3 million. Well, uh, so sorry for Florent Giroux. Uh, he came off in a training incident at Keeneland. The horse wasn't hurt, but he was. Uh, <coughs> looks like he broke his sternum in a training mishap. Uh, this was back on the lucky 13th at Keeneland. Uh, they said, oh, he'll be back to ride, but he's not going to be back to ride, I believe, in time uh, for a Breeders' Cup. Uh, they're, they're not sure. Uh, there's a medical evaluation going on. They're going to see maybe if he could work a couple horses before. And hopefully, uh, according to Doug Bradar, his agent, uh, some people are holding out. They haven't replaced him yet. They're giving him the benefit of the doubt. And... Uh, but meanwhile, other trainers are, have to make the decision. And uh, so he was just breezing a horse, uh, Airstrike, who's a grade two winner, kind of lost his action and fell after a half-mile workout. And that was last Sunday. And uh, luckily, the horse got up and, and walked away, wasn't seriously injured. And the 33-year-old Jaru was taken off all his mounts and taken to the hospital. So we wish them nothing but the best. Okay, let's take a look at some of the races we looked at last week. Of course, uh, we did uh, interview Byron King about many things, but we, I asked him to do a race, and we picked up the Queens. Magnetic Charm, her horse, it didn't hit the board. The winner <clears throat> was Byron's number one pick in wire-to-wire -wire fashion, Cambier Park for trainer Chad Brown. She cost $1,250,000, and winning the Queen Elizabeth for half a million. It's getting a bit of that back. Johnny V in town to ride. Again, kind of on a wire-to-wire -wire basis. Castle Lady, uh, who is an Irish bred, been racing in France and England, came in for the second spot. And uh, in the third spot was Princess Carolina. All right, that was the Queen Elizabeth Challenge Stakes. Then uh, we went up to uh, uh, Woodbine. We were graced with the presence of Ernie Perry, their top clocker, to give us some insight. And in the Canadian International 800,000 up for grabs, Desert Encounter, the horse I liked over even money, Zayed, missed the start, tear up my ticket, but stayed in last most of the way and all of a sudden split horses and exploded. Uh, shipped in from England for the ride. This is an Irish bred too. Desert Encounter, who won this race last year, returns to Woodbine to take it again. In the second spot was Alanuk and third, the favorite, Zayad. Then it was the $600,000 E.P. Taylor. My favorite near Starship Jubilee got the lead and liked it where it was, got the job done in the $600,000 race, and a friend of mine owns the sire, Indy Wynn, so congratulations. In the second spot uh, was the, uh, the six, whose page, Pumpkin Rumple, has eluded me. So uh, then we use the uh, Nearctic, and in here, 
It was City Boy. This was some upset time in a three-horse photo. City Boy in first at 24 to 1, at 11 to 1 reconfigure. And in the third spot, Richie's in the house. And that was a look at the races we handicapped last week. All right, well, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking to two champions in their own right, Julie Crone and Jay Havde. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Pony. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, one of the darlings of the saddle for many years. Haven't had her back on the show for a while. I do kind of watch her on uh, uh, the uh, internet, where she's showing up, and the different events and things like that. So it, it is time to catch up with one and only Julianne Louise. You know her as Julie Crone. <laughs> Julie, how are you doing? I'm very good, John. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fat and sassy. I'm on the right side of the grass. I'm not in jail, so the rest is gravy as far as as far as I'm concerned. So I need to catch up with you. Give me like a synopsis. Last three years, what's been keeping you busy? <laughs> well, I guess I could go backwards from today. Uh, so I am uh, 
uh, really excited about the book, One Sweet Ride, the book that my husband and I wrote together on Candy Rides Win at Del Mar when I won the Pacific Classic. Um, so that was pretty exciting to do that this summer. And um, I had a nice talk with Linda Bays, um, one of the Bays families of this morning, and she's a she's an outrider at uh, San Luis Ray Downs and. Um, uh, we joked around about being uh, stay-at-home moms, so to speak. So, I, obviously, I have a 14-year-old daughter that keeps us busy. She was just uh, cast as Belle in her school play. And so I keep busy between the horses and um, um, doing stuff with the racetrack and my family. I'm always busy. Well, enjoy... Sorry. Enjoy the next two years with your daughter because I got news for you. Once they get to be 16 and get those car keys, you don't see a whole lot of them. That I can guarantee. That's really you. funny because I'm always like, I can't wait till she can drive. So I'm like, like sometimes I walk to the car and I'm like, oh, I can't wait till you can drive. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that first day they pull out of the driveway, your your attitude will change a little bit. I can. Well, guarantee we you we that. do homeschool and we're pretty close, and so maybe it'll be a little different because I'll be a little more. I don't know. Maybe I'll be a little different about it, and I can start preparing now that you've warned me. <laughs> well, <laughs> but yeah, you'll I can imagine out. the anxiety that comes with them driving out of the driveway and taking their lives in their hands out there on the road. So yeah. Now, did, now you said she got to lead in her play. Does she have your uh, your, your voice or just your yeah. animation no, and attitude? She's a beautiful singer. She has a big, gigantic bucket of curly hair. She's a talented dancer. She's just like a, uh, just an amazing kid. People ask me for parenting advice all the time because she's so nice. And I tell them, I was like, no, you don't want my parenting advice. She just, she came like that. So, no, she's already way taller than me, which I guess isn't really that hard. But, um, yeah, so she's a very <laughs> different person. Very, very different. Um, she rides horses, but she doesn't like, she's not horse crazy. She likes them. But she could do, she could go a long time without, you know, talking about horses or being around horses. But she does love being a musician and uh, and doing her theater and stuff like that. So, but she likes going to the racetrack with us and stuff too. Well, you know, uh, Julie, over your long career, uh, you probably could have written, or you and Jay could have written uh, books about different horses you rode or different episodes in your life. Why did we key in on Candy Ride for One Sweet Ride? Well, it is a million-dollar race, and it is a really pretty special meet at Del Mar. So I, I, I don't think I have to go any farther than that to say then that's what makes it a pretty special, you know, event. Um, and it's kind of interesting, too, to, you know, with Sid and Jenny and how – it was always Sid's best, you know, the race that he always wanted to win. And uh, when Jay and I were in with Jenny's house and interviewing her for the uh, book, I was just, um, I was just enamored at her, how tenacious she was and how hardworking and her story. And from one woman to another, to hear Jenny's story about how her business became successful and how she faced uh, adversity and went up against, you know, sometimes she was the only girl in the room, kind of thing. So. Uh, it was really fun for me to hear her story, and obviously there's some parallels and you know some camaraderie that we shared a little bit from the the things that we shared and how we became successful. And most of it was just pretty much hard work and dedication and focus. And so for me, while we were doing the book, it really opened up my mind to you know 
sometimes the parallels to being successful are pretty simple, and they're you know it has to do with hard work and persistence and overcoming your challenges and stuff like that. So, uh, and then you know having dreams like Sid's part and in, in the book about him having dreams about the race and his his dedication to their to her uh, you know her business and stuff like that was was amazing. And then. Uh, you know, not to be a spoiler, because everybody kind of knows the story, but you take an orphan guy, you know, Ron McAnally, and he's training horses. It's a pretty amazing book, and there's a lot in it for a lot of people um, about challenges and about overcoming things and, and the racehorse lifting you up and giving you prominence in the world and success and how much we love them. And so for me, it was really special to share the story and then to have my very talented husband, Jay Hufke, Write it, because <laughs> only him, he can, he's the only one that can capture people like, you know, he's amazing, and horses, too, he really captured Candy Red's personality, and his ability, and talent, and stuff like that, so the book is, if you're a racing fan, or if you're just a a, a person that likes stories about people overcoming things, it's a, it's a pretty special book, this one sweet ride, so it's a story in itself, and that's why I love it. Well, just so our listeners know, when she refers to Sid and Jenny, that is Sid and Jenny Craig, uh, who own Candy Ride. And I think so, I think the best books are the ones that have a neat foundation in which it, the story becomes a tapestry between uh, the owners, the trainer, the jockey, and the horse. Because uh, you'll yes. get to learn a little bit about each of them. And as I used the word before, it becomes much of a tapestry towards the end of the story. Story. Yeah, it's kind of like while you're reading it, it kind of reminds me of the scene in Luck. Luck is a movie that uh, my husband was part of writing with David Milch. It has to do with the racehorses. It's such a good movie. If you haven't seen it and you're a racing fan, definitely find Luck and watch it. But there's a scene when the girl jockey is riding the main character horse and then the trainer and then the, the jockey who got uh, injured, and he's running in the hills, like there's a flashback to all the scenes, the horse racing, the jockey that lost the mount, the trainer that wants it to win, the guys that all bet on it, and their whole life is riding on it, and they run the scenes like all at once, and when I was reading One Sweet Ride, I was thinking of what a cool movie it would be, and if you ran, like all the emotions at once, and just like you said, it weaves into itself like a tapestry, and it just makes for just like an amazing story, and uh, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Well, uh, obviously, as you always were throughout your career, uh, you sound uh, very effervescent uh, about uh, the story, about being part of it, and about the creation of the book, you know, uh, with your husband, which is pretty rare. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) So would you guys like uh, sit down at breakfast and say, okay, let's work on Chapter 5, please pass the syrup, or... How would you guys find time? No, no, actually, but it was, like I said, it was really fun going over to Jenny's and talking to her. And then, you know, uh, like little parts of it. Yes, we did do that a little bit. But um, once we got all the information and interview and stuff, it was just a few times that Jay would like put something and say, okay, what do you think about this? And I honestly, when I see his writing, I very seldom am like, oh, make this different or change this because he's like, he's not a multiple Eclipse award winning writer for anything, you know? Right, right, exactly. Okay, Julie, I'm going to ask you one more question and then maybe if Jay happens to be around, maybe you could grab him. But my question, 
My question to you is uh, because you know Candy Ride has become almost a breed changing horse. Uh, he's become a sire of sires and everything. What was it that you enjoyed about riding him the best? Um, well, literally, you could take off the leather reins and put shoestrings on his bit. Um, <laughs> he was really, really intelligent, very sensitive, super easy to ride, very tactical. Like, you know, you would just tip forward in your stirrups the tiniest bit and, like, pinch him, and he would just go like he had wings, you know. And then um, he was just so calm in the post-parade and just kind of would look around, and he, I think he actually enjoyed himself. Like, he enjoyed racing. And then his physical prowess, like, he's, he's got this beautiful stride. He could go really fast, you know, right out of the gate and recover. Like, because in the, in the, in the, in the uh, Pacific Classic, he didn't bobble a little, but the ground was a little dry. And when he broke out of the gate, like, I was like, he just lost, like, a step. And you know, like, all I had to do is just tip forward the tiniest bit, and he just made up the ground. And then I just had to stand up in my stirrups a little and be like, easy, easy, you know. And he just <laughs> slowed right back down and patted the ground. And, and um, Ron had given me some pretty fun directions that day. And he was like, you just go right to Jerry Bailey's boot, and you just put him right there and let the race begin, you know. And, like, uh, yeah, so it was kind of a, it was a kind of exciting and fun thing, mostly because he was almost, like, uh just riding like he was just such a pleasure to ride and just so easygoing and smart and uh, just really beautiful. Like his size is perfect and just like everything about him was so fun. That is great. Well, like I said, he's be, he's become a breed-changing animal, and uh, you certainly helped get him to the headlines, even though you make it sound like a fat guy like me could ride him and maybe win a race. Yeah, well, it was pretty <laughs> Julie, easy. If you were really sensitive, you could. <laughs> <laughs> I am sensitive, so don't hurt my feelings. And if they want to <laughs> get the book, it's on it's on the jockeyworld.org, um, frankielovato'sjockeyworld.org, and the one... Uh, Frankie World, that Frankie that I became partners with this summer, doing my jockey camp. Okay, one more time for our listeners, and I'm going to ask you this. Jockeyworld.org. Um, Frankie okay. Lovato Jr. is the founder, and him and I joined up together this year, and we did a jockey, um, excuse me, a Julie, Julie Crown jockey camp, but it's off, off all of Frankie's ideas and off of all of Frankie's everything, and... Because it's a 5013C and all the jockeys that we got were the kids were all sponsored because they're all underprivileged kids from the area that normally wouldn't have an opportunity to learn about the racetrack or riding horses. Um, we taught them how to pony, how to hot walk, got some of them over to Saratoga to get them some jobs and reintroducing young, beautiful people to the racing game and getting them like involved where they learned about the horses and it was just a really beautiful summer. And so Jenny uh, donated the books to jockeyworld.org, and so the only place to get them, unless you see me and you can ask me for one, um, <laughs> is at the jockeyworld.org. And then all the money will go to uh, helping new people and bringing in young new people to racing. And hopefully this summer we'll do a couple more camps and get some more kids out there. And so that's where you can find the book. All right. Well, Julie Crone, uh, like I said, uh, is there is there a Hov Day in the house? There is an award-winning, Eclipse award-winning writer. I always think that's funny, John, because I always have to say writer and rider. <laughs> right? Well, you got it right this time. <laughs> Thanks All for right, joining here, us, right Julie. Here. 
All right. All right. Thank you so much. Hi, John. Jay, you've got a good PR person there for you. What did she say about me? She says you're one of the greatest writers in the world and talked about, I think you got four eclipses, unless you got one since the last time I talked to you. Um, so, uh, no, she was Well, she happy. had me doing the laundry today, so that's a nice change. There, there you go. There you go. Well, <laughs> at least you're out of the last place you told me you, uh, she sent you. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> Jay, uh, a couple things I want to talk about. I want to, I want to talk about this right off the top of my head, if I can, um, that you have currently joined uh, some uh, good friends of mine, including a guest I had on last week, Byron King, as part of the outstanding Blood Horse staff. Is that a rumor or is it true? That is absolutely true, John. Um, my uh, tenure with the uh, racing forum ended after 20 years. Uh, in their wisdom, they decided that uh, there were several staff members that they no longer needed in their editorial product, and uh, Byron and I were two of them. Uh, and uh, the Blood Horse uh, stepped up and said, um, come on over, uh, join the uh, Join the team, and uh, Byron has been hard at work on the news side, and uh, I've started to contribute my columns and commentaries. Well, what's great is, I mean, it couldn't happen at a better time for both of you, well, unless you like sleep, uh, with the Breeders' Cup. I mean, they bring you guys on board just a couple weeks, and it's kind of like, here, guys, jump into the pan because we need you. Well, there's no question. This is the exciting time of the year when you've got uh, the Breeders' Cup coming coming up right here in our backyard at Santa Anita out here in California. So, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, all hands on deck with the Blood Horse. Uh, I'm sure they'll have several staff uh, out there and uh, covering it on a around-the-clock on basis. And um, I'll uh, dip in and out with my commentaries, and we'll just have a great time. going to be some uh, fun races. There's no real... Uh, what you would call super marquee horse this time around, uh, no enable, uh, no gun runner, uh, that kind of uh, animal. But uh, boy, we've got uh, the best available uh, as usual, and uh, each race I think is going to be deeply competitive. Now, uh, I, I know you're kind of uh, West Coast base, and you're really tight with a lot of those people. Um, one thing, a guy that I got to be friends with over the last couple of years uh, uh, passed away. And uh, d did you know Dick Lundy? Knew Dick, of course, uh, from not only his time uh, uh, when he trained privately for Alan Paulson and then also trained uh, for Mrs. Uh, uh, Kraft Payson, uh, and, uh, but also when he was uh, one of Charlie Winningham's top assistants. Uh, Dick had his hands on a lot of the, the best horses that Charlie trained uh, in the 1970s. Yeah, Dick, uh, he, he had a tough go with cancer here the last year or so. Uh, I'm friends yeah. with his wife, Susie, and uh, he, uh, he just left us about a week ago. Uh, but just in time, I went to another great trainer. You would know him. He's a Midwestern guy by the name of Jim Morgan. And here I am at Jim Morgan's wake, and I look down, and there's flowers from Dick Lundy. <laughs> it was just kind oh, of strange. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess... Um you know the uh, the the pendulum swings, and uh, we we celebrate uh, celebrate all of these lives uh, of people that we've known, uh, John. It's uh, you know we lost uh, a, a great uh, racing executive out here 
recently, uh, Sherwood Chillingworth. Everybody knew him as Chili, and anyone that had anything to do with Santa Anita Park and Oak Tree Racing uh, was, uh, you know, had uh, had Chili on speed dial just uh, in case they were having a bad day to call him, and everything got a little bit better. He was one of those happy warriors that um, that we need in um, in any business, but certainly in horse racing. That that is a good man. Well, I know that you uh, are. Uh tight with uh, Richard Mandela and the news came out that he's going to go to the mile uh, with Omaha Beach and I'll tell you what uh, he, uh, he might be selected a tougher field than had he gone in the sprint but do you think this is part of a plan perhaps to get uh, to uh, the Pegasus Stakes? I don't know how to read Mandela anymore. I think he's starting to to go kind of zen on us. Uh, he's, um, <laughs> you know, he he dangles all these promises and speculations, and you know, at the meantime, he goes and he uh, trains. He seems to like training more than racing. You know, I don't know. Uh, he's a he's an odd duck, and and I say that with the greatest fondness. And if he was here, I'd say the same thing to him, and he'd look at me and probably slap me over the head with a, uh, a racing manual. <laughs> but um, Mandela's decisions with uh, Omaha Beach, none of them were attractive when you come right down to it. I mean, he's got a loaded gun with no real ideal place to fire it. Um, the sprint, well, sure, he could be very competitive in the sprint. He just, you know, beats Chancelot, who's going to be, you know, at worst, second or third choice in the sprint. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's... He, Tackling the mile, a two-turn mile, is a, is an odd race um, uh, at any of the racetracks where it's two turns uh, because it's uh, all about the draw. Uh, you can get you can you can lose it when the pill is pulled and you're in the 14 hole. And uh, the classic, you know, I'm just not sure he was convinced he was good enough to get that horse ready for a mile and a quarter. Um, I thought he I thought he was. I had more confidence in Mandela than obviously Richard did. I think Omaha Beach would be very competitive in the mile-and-a-quarter race because this is not the deepest field we've seen. And besides that, I mean, this, is a, this is a horse that wakes up in the morning looking for a mile-and-a-quarter. So anyway, I think the mile will be uh, entertaining. Uh, he's got Catalina Cruiser and Forensic Fire and, uh, you know, some, some pretty, pretty stout competition. But you know what? Nobody ever remembers the winner of the dirt mile. They never ever do, <laughs> and if he's just using it as a as a an early bounce to get to a race at the end of next January, well, more power to him. Well, uh, Jay Hovday, I've got to ask you. Um, you know, you've been a writer for for so many decades, and how different was it approaching the subject of one sweet ride? And I asked Julie, you know, I said, you know, would you guys be, you know, sitting there having breakfast and saying, okay, let's work on the, uh, the you know, the X race um, leading up to the Pacific Classic? Or, you know, or would you find time to say, okay, let's go into the library and sit down. I want to hammer this out. Uh, how, how different was the writing process with someone that you're so close to? Well, I had the benefit of writing about her uh, before I fell in love with her and married her. So, uh, so I already had, you know, I, I, I knew how to do that already uh, to be able to stand outside the story and, and, and write the story. I mean, she's walking history, for God's sakes, John. She's just, you know, yeah. uh, everything she did was the first time somebody did it. Uh, and when you've got, you know, when, when somebody like that is, is 
is part of your life, part of your family, uh, part of your world, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a great responsibility, but it's also a wonderful pleasure to be able to convey that in, um, in, a, in the form of a, a small, uh, non-comprehensive book like One Sweet Ride, but it certainly focuses on a very special part of her life and what led up to it. Well, uh, and, I, and I think it's really neat that the, the book is going through uh, jockeyworld.com if folks want to order it. And uh, I thank you very much for keeping me in mind as somebody that likes to talk to authors and uh, uh, do book reviews. And uh, I am so happy that I'm going to be able to open up my blood horse that I subscribe to and read Jay Hovday on a regular basis. No, uh, that's awful kind of you, John, uh, and uh, I look forward to following you as uh, Winning Ponies uh, descends upon the Breeders' Cup, and uh, boy, I tell you, uh, people better start listening to you guys uh, big time because, um, you know, you've got some good insights. It'll be fun to, fun to see who you, who you come up with on those two days. I only have good insights because I have great guests like you, Jay Hovday. <laughs> well, uh, I can tell you right now... Uh, I would use uh, Omaha Beach in the dirt mile, but underneath. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll be back in touch with you now that, uh, you know, I, I know where you're at. And I've also got something i got to put in the mail to you guys that you're going to be surprised to get. So say uh, thank you to Julie for me, and I'll see you down the road. Terrific, John. Thanks so much. Okay, when the great duet there of Julie Crone and Jay Hovday. Going to take a quick break, and we come back, we're going to be with the Gilligan clan. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses At most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, we're going to keep the family affairs going on Winning Ponies tonight. Uh, We're going to go from one sweet ride to the author of Around Kentucky with the Bug, who's got a new book in the works. Of course, uh, when I last spoke to him, uh, Patrick Lawrence Gilligan, he had uh, completed Around Kentucky with the Bug, and it was just a (laughs) great story. As a matter of fact, I've had to wrestle a couple friends to get the book back after I told him about it. Can I borrow that for a day, John? And a day turns into a month. Anyhow, I got it back yesterday in Northern Kentucky. It's in my hands now. So I got around Kentucky with the bug. And on the phone right now, we have Patrick Lawrence Gilligan. Since I've talked to you, Patrick, what's new in your life? Well, um, I'm uh, just finishing my my second book now, John, uh, One Summer in Saratoga. Um, I hope to have that out in the next month or so. Uh, I've also been working for uh, for Kenny McPeak uh, for the past couple of years, and uh, now I'm uh, I'm uh, working on going back to my my original day job. The job I did for most of my adult life was, uh, which was, uh, of course, as a licensed racehorse trainer. Yeah, you sent out a really beautiful uh, video of uh, Newmarket on your uh, your Facebook page. I mean, you know, it, it, it is so beautiful. But I've got to admit, I'm not going to compare anything, but I'm going to say Saratoga. I'm so glad to hear you writing a story about that. That was my stomping grounds as a youth. And it does have a charm like none other in the U.S., doesn't it? I... Uh I think I'd put a bit in my uh, next book when I say once you get the bug for Saratoga, it's a, it's a kind of a hard one to shake off. I, I thought it was a fantastic place. I, I, I absolutely adored it. I, I thought Keenan would be really tough to beat, and I'm not going to compare them, but uh, if you've been to Keenan, you've got to go to Saratoga as well. Absolutely, and I've told all my friends that. Well, uh, Patrick, I want to come back and, and, and talk with you a little bit about this past year, what it's like been, uh, you know, training in different places. I know you were in Ocala for a while and you were in Saratoga. Uh, but but before we do that, I'd like to talk to uh, the individual who your book was written about, and that would be your son, Jack. I believe uh, he's not too far away. Could you put him in touch with me? Sure. Here he is. Hey there, John. Jack, how are you? Hey, it's been a while since a Lucian Queen. Do you remember yep. that ride? <laughs> I remember that very well. My first window of Jerry Dwyer Belterra. I think it was September 27th, 2014. So, yeah, it's been a while. Do you remember the, the short fat guy that interviewed you after the race? <laughs> yes, I do. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ran across that photo the other night, but uh, anyhow, I just because I, I I said was this his first U.S. win? I think it was. There, there had to be a reason yeah, I was interviewing. <laughs> but anyhow, so Jack, I I'm sure that you read your father's book around Kentucky with the bugs since you were the, the central figure. But yeah, it's almost it's be. almost like you you could uh, 
put dust on this book now because you have really uh, taken your career to a new level. I, I believe that uh, that was your aspiration, your expectation when you came to the U.S. was first let's learn about it, cut my teeth on the smaller tracks like Belterra, Turfway, Indiana Grand, Mountaineer. But uh, you've kind of graduated to the bigger circuits now, I'd have to say. Yeah, you know, it's gone really great the last few years. Um, you know, I'm mainly riding now in Kentucky, Church Downs, Ellis, Keeneland, and the last two winters I've gone down to uh, the fairgrounds to uh, spend more winters there, which I really love. I love it down there. I, I was going to ask you, I, I did work at the fairgrounds for a season. I loved the heck out of it, made lifetime friends. What was your impression? Because a lot of people say Louisiana is not a state in the United States. It's actually another country. <laughs> I mean, it's got its charm about it. It's, it is different. Um, I mean, personally, I heard similar things too. A lot of people kind of, especially with New Orleans as well, kind of love or hate it. But I definitely love it. You know, I love the people down there. They From day one, they're really nice to me, everyone. And, you know, I love the culture down there. I love, you know, the, obviously the food, the music. And just, I don't know, just, there's something about it that I just, I really took me, you know, and just kind of, uh, it just is magical for me when I'm down there in the wintertime. And I'm lucky enough that I've been very successful as well when I've been down there, you know, career-wise. People give me a real good shot and I've run plenty of winners there. So it's, it's been great. Yeah, it really was. And I watched you a lot while you were down there during the winter and, uh, you know, saw that you kind of taking your game to the next level. Now, we we talked on this show, or like you said, it was probably about four years ago. And when we had that interview, to my recall, we were talking about things you were noticing about the different style of riding compared to riding in Europe and riding over here have you continued to uh kind of become north americanized uh, in, in your style oh yeah absolutely i mean you know i only rode for a year in england and you know i hadn't really kind of that hadn't really my style hadn't been put in place just yet you know i just started riding and so now really i'm, I'm more of an american rider than the than an english rider really i mean i've still got my european horseman roots if you know what I mean my the way I do things and stuff around the horse and the way I kind of ride the horse but when it comes to the style of you know especially in the finish I'm definitely American American style now for sure well your life at least uh, if you stay healthy for the next decade uh, is going to be a nomadic one uh, how have you adapted to that and is there a place in the U.S. that you call your hometown well, it's definitely, like I say, is, um, I haven't really um, settled down for it. I still feel like I want to maybe explore a bit more of the States and travel, you know, maybe do a bit of New York and, you know, California at some point. Um, but, I mean, Lexington probably has been home, really. You know, my parents are here, so I always feel like home. But New Orleans definitely has to come in from my second home now. I, I do, I have... Like right now, I'm, I'm counting down the days so I head back down there. So uh, that's probably a close second and might even become uh, number one in, in the future for sure. Well, um, I, I, I want to ask you, uh, 
you know, the big word out now is influencer, who either as a, a trainer or a jockey has given a positive influence to you? Um, I have a few. In my corner in Churchill and uh, uh, Keeneland and Ellis, uh, Chris Landeros and Robbie Alvarado are who I sit next to. and So they've kind of been my two mentors ever since really having the bug, really. Um, you know, they they always, you know, tell me when I'm doing stuff wrong and they encourage me when I'm doing stuff right. And, you know, they're two very, very good riders here. Obviously, Robbie Alvarado is a legend and, you know, Chris Landeros is a great up-and-coming jockey at the moment. And, uh, yeah, those two definitely have to be my, my two favorites. And, uh, you know, they always help me out in jockstream. So they, they've been my two mentors, really. And trainer-wise, I mean, really, Brett Calhoun's been my biggest supporter over the last couple of years. And, you know, he's recently trusted me in riding Silver Dust. And, you know, we've done well this year. We won two grade three so far and just got beaten a, a grade three at Churchill Downs the other week. And so... You know, he's, he's been showing a lot of faith in me, so, you know, I really appreciate them. They're a great team to work for. Well, I appreciate the time you, you spent with us and know that I'll be watching your career and uh, look forward to uh, seeing where you go, not only with your career, but I see what kind of mentions you get in your dad's next book. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. I haven't read it yet, so um, I'm just as curious as you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we would uh, t- talk with Jack Elligan. Jack, can you pass it back to uh, to your dad if he's nearby? He, yeah, he's right here. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you. Oh, see you, Jack. Hi, John. <clears throat> so, anyhow, Patrick, I, I asked him, you know, about because we we haven't spoken in a while um, when. Uh, what what changes have taken place? What have you noticed different uh, about because you, you've you've been tied in with some really good horsemen in a recent uh, uh, months and year? What have you noticed different about the training style here and the training style in Europe? Well, what I know is different. Uh, first of all, was uh, absolutely everything. <laughs> when I started with Kenny. Uh, January 1st, 2018 it was. Um, so uh, I went and joined uh, Mike Clyer and his barn down on Rice Road at Keeneland. And, uh, so I, he said, start there as a foreman just to get the hang of all the American way of doing things before I took over the top barn in this, for the spring meet. And uh, Mike would tell me, <laughs> go get this and get that and do this, grab the shank and get the clocks and uh, there wasn't a single word or term that, 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 that was the same as anything we'd use in Europe, unbelievably. Uh, you know, stools were stable, uh, uh, shanks, uh, uh, a curb chain and uh, we just everything, everything, honestly, a halter's a head collar. <laughs> Me and Mike couldn't understand the word each other would say. <laughs> and being a bit older, of course, it takes a bit longer to learn everything, so. I'm sure Mike thought I was the biggest idiot he'd ever met. <laughs> uh, we, we had a lot of fun. He was great. <clears throat> and uh, eventually you learn it all. And, you know, at, you know at, at the core of it all, the horse is the same. And uh, ways of getting a, a horse fit, even within Europe, uh, people have different methods, of course. Here it's a bit more standardized. Here um, most trainers seem to go through the same training process with their horses. Um 
the other differences, of course, are that the, it's much more um, the tasks that everyone does uh, uh, in the shed row, uh, in the barns, are much more specialised. You know, you have a walker, you have a groom, you have the riders. Um, back in Europe, of course, um, the grooms ride the horses as well. As on the whole, you do get specialised exercise riders, but on the whole, um, the grooms ride the horses also. And of course, over here, time is much more of the essence because you take out seven, we do, typically do seven sets a morning. Um, back in England, which we call them lots, not sets, of course, um, we do three, maybe four. Um, so, so there's a time pressure uh, um, on the American scene to, you know, getting out enough sets out before the first hour break and afterwards, and then the track closes. Um, so that that that's, that was a bit different. So everything was much more full on. And uh, once once I once I went up to Barn Thirty Four and um, and uh, uh, took over that barn, well, that that was a whirlwind. That was unbelievable. I think I think I lost about twenty pounds in the space of the first Keeneland Spring Meet that year. Because <laughs> 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 um, <clears throat> everything was new. I mean, everything was different. And uh, but uh, by halfway through it, it was a lot of fun, and there's a great buzz to it, and it's uh, adrenaline filled and full on here. Uh, much more full on than, than back in the UK. Both are hard work. There's always hard work around horses. Um, but it just seemed much more full on for some reason. That could have had something to do with Kenny, but uh, it's just uh, it was like that. Well, uh, <clears throat> again, we're talking with Patrick Lawrence Gilligan. <clears throat> Patrick, I only got about a minute and a half left. Tell us about your, I don't know if it was inspiration, but. Uh, your prompting for the upcoming book and uh, what we can expect, because I guarantee you I'll be talking to you after it comes out. Okay, well, <clears throat> um, I suppose the inspiration was uh, trying to convey what it was like um, on the backstretch, uh, what life was like, what horse racing was like in North America, and the journey of me joining Kenny McPeak and being involved with such nice horses. It was so exciting. You know, we, we, I went to Saratoga. We were lucky enough to win the Alabama Stokes at the Hickory Issues. We came back to Keeneland. We were lucky enough to win the Grade 1 Alcibiades. We went to the Breeders' Cup, went to the Oaks. We were all hoping to be at the Derby. We had three at one stage possible. Um, so there was a lot. There was too much to describe here. Um, but it was an exciting roller coaster of a year, and I tried to... Uh, uh, put that down in words, and hopefully people uh, outside of the industry and maybe some of them inside the industry would would be interested to see how it looked. Because I had fresh eyes for it all, of course. You know, it was, it was all new to me. Um, so I found it exciting and fun and interesting. I was lucky enough to go to some uh, beautiful places. Well, you know, I, I love talking to you. I love reading your book. I'm really uh, uh, looking forward to it. So uh, just stay in touch with me and let I'll me know when it's coming out. All right. And I will have you back. Thank Jack for me for being on. And I really enjoy watching that young man's career take off. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. All right. That was Patrick Lawrence Gilligan father of Jack Gilligan, also an author. And of course, I want to thank uh, 
uh, Jay Hovday and his wife, Julie Crone, uh, for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, really enjoy just having conversations with people that love the game. So uh, obviously I'm having a conversation with you and you love the game and that's why you're here. So if you enjoyed this edition, be sure to uh, tell your friends, hey, John finally put on a good show. <laughs> so feel free to pull down our podcast. They're up there for months at a time. And uh, again, the Easy Win Forms over at winningponies.com will get you through these times and put some green in your jeans. So for my producer, Josh, by gosh, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.